Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Dave Lee, so without further ado, here he is. Morning, Harvest. Welcome to Thanksgiving Sunday at Harvest. I'm so glad that you are with us. If you're newer to our church, my name is Dave. It's my privilege to serve here as lead pastor. And one of the things we do each Thanksgiving is we give thanks to God and to those who have said yes to God throughout the year. We acknowledge everyone who has served in any capacity over the last year. And this year, we're going to just show you some slides listing all the different contexts in which people have served at our church. Names will be posted on there. We're not going to read each name aloud. But as you see those different teams um, flash up on the screen, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to note that if any particular team really, uh, you sense God kind of perking your spirit saying, I need to acknowledge some of those people because I'm really thankful that that team has done what they've done. I want you to just kind of make a note of that to yourself. And even before you leave today, find someone on that team and just say something to them to say thank you for serving God in the way that you have. Also, if one of those things makes you feel like, oh, maybe that's something I could do this year, then make sure that you talk to someone and let us know that you'd like to take a step of faith. I can tell you one thing. Some of these folks have said yes to one particular event and served only on that one day, and that was costly for them because that was a a thing that they had to overcome. Others have said yes, and they feel like they're going to have to keep saying yes until Jesus comes back, and they feel kind of trapped and locked in, and yet even with the the fear of that, they, they still continue to say that costly yes week after week after week. And I just want you to know that whether you said yes for years and years or for a day, Every yes that we say to God costs something, and it honors him. So I want to read off these teams. We have our AV team who makes sure that everything that we see is done right, and those viewing from home on the live stream, that you get to see what you do because they work very hard for us. Hugely important. We have our Bloom Women's Ministry. And you got, you just, uh, that's good. You can clap for them. Um, It's really a healthy ministry. I'm so grateful that our women have this community they can find with one another. And we are praying in 2023 that the men of this church will rise up and match bloom in our commitment to help our brothers grow in Christ. Are you ready, men, to rise to the challenge and outdo the women in 2023? Praise God for the Bloom Women's Ministry. Here's a team you may not even know exists yet, but you're going to know it very soon. Our capital campaign team is charged with a really important task to help us raise the money we need to build out and fully occupy our building. It's a really difficult task and one that requires spiritual maturity and vision, and we're so grateful for the members of this team. Though you haven't heard much from them publicly, behind the scenes, they have been working very hard to set everything up. And pretty soon, you're going to hear a lot from them. I'm excited to see what God will do through that team. And we have all our different small group leaders. Can you please give a hand to your small group leaders? Just... You guys got to know, this is a costly one. It's not an easy job to do. There's so much more that goes into it emotionally and time-wise than you might imagine. 
And very often, we just go week after week taking things for granted. Please make sure that if you're part of a small group, you give your small group leaders a big high five, a hug, whatever your style is. Give them a Starbucks card. Just let them know you appreciate what they're doing for you to hold your community together. Too many to name, but there's, they're working so hard. And a part of that is also our small group council who oversees all of that along with Pastor Stan. Then we have our newly formed decor team, as you can actually see everywhere. They make this place look beautiful. And for some people, that's not that important. For others of us, that's hugely important. It matters to us how things look because it evokes something in our hearts. So we're so thankful that on special occasions, that team comes out. They are also going to play a big role in helping our new building look like a home that we want to live in. So please support them. Pray for them. Our finance team, the, the team I'd never serve on if I were a layperson. I, I should be nowhere near money. But these guys are so good at what they do. They conduct themselves with maturity and integrity. They make sure our books are above board. And we're so grateful that we have them doing what they do. It allows us to know that we can trust what happens at this church because they are capably overseeing all of that. Yeah. Every Sunday after service, we get to nibble on something, and that's not by magic. Our food team works really hard to make sure that they set a table for our church to gather around. Everyone knows that people connect at the table, and our food team is responsible for that. Today is their crowning masterpiece, and many of you have helped out bringing the food, and they are going to shine today. Can we just give them a hand for the way that they feed us physically? Here's an exciting one. After things kind of happened down at Champagne, and some of the students weren't quite sure what to do with church, we had a bunch of upperclassmen at Harvest who felt like God was calling them to do something for their fellow students to form community. And so they gathered together, and with some supervision and support from our pastors, they formed a new ministry called Roots. It is a student-led Bible study fellowship at the campus of the University of Illinois, and they are flourishing and growing. We need to pray for them because all the leaders of this ministry are seniors, they're graduating, and we're praying in faith that God will raise up another wave of leaders to steward this great ministry as it's just in its beginnings. Can we just give them a hand for having that vision? Yes. <clears throat> By the way, I don't want to embarrass him, but it's Ryan's birthday today. You might want to just give him an extra. <laughs> yeah, Ryan. Harvest Fest is our biggest outreach event of the year. It takes a small army, and this year we had something like 500 people visit our Harvest Fest event. We had some new firsts. The, the uh, police department and the fire department came out. We had a petting zoo. At least half of the people who visited our event did not go to our church. They were just our guests, our neighbors from the community. And thank you to all those. It didn't even fit on one slide. That's how many of you served at this event. Thank you so much for saying yes to God for that. Oh, we're not done. This is part three. The intercessory prayer team prays with you and for you for the things that are weighing you down. And we have uh, a little slip that we used to have on the bottom of our bullets. I don't think we're doing that anymore. But there's a text number that was posted on the screen every single Sunday. If you're going through something and you don't want to pray for that by yourself, this team will guard your privacy, but they will get on their knees and fight hard in praying to the Lord for you. Please take advantage 
of this incredible thing that they're willing to do. Don't bear your burdens by yourself. Our live stream team, make sure that everyone at home who cannot be here gets to participate in our worship service. And I got to tell you, that's not an easy thing. I thought it was just plugging in a box and going, apparently I've been corrected many times. It's way harder than that. Thank you, live stream team. The medical advisory team got us through COVID. I don't seriously have any idea how we would have navigated it without them. Uh, I am not trained in medicine. I don't know if you realize that. But I had no clue, neither did our elder board, on how to navigate this unprecedented thing. And the medical advisory team helped us every step of the way make good decisions. They weren't always popular decisions, but they were what we believed to be the most reasonable, sound, responsible decisions. We're so thankful for the, the role that they played getting us through the bulk of that. Thank you, medical advisory team. Okay? And related to that is the medical emergency response team. Whenever there's a medical event here on campus, on site, this is the team that steps in and renders first aid and then calls someone uh, to come and help. And so while we're waiting for the ambulance to come, they will make sure that they have the situation well in hand. Usually they are somewhere around carrying a harvest duffel bag. Uh, Sometimes they sit in the chair that has a red uh, seat cover with a white cross. That's the person to go to. And they have already helped in some really tricky situations. We're so grateful to have those folks with us. Now, this is a great team, the outreach team. They are the tip of the spear in our calling to be good neighbors to the people around Hoffman and States, where we collectively call home. One of the things about this is that in the end, we really want this not to just be a team in our church, but a part of the ministry of everyone at Harvest. But for now, they are leading the way and showing us what responsible, sustainable outreach looks like. And it's not just giving away stuff to people. It's really opening our hearts and forming relationships with people who are really in need in our community. Some of those who even the government cannot really bear a burden for, we are stepping in as a church partner and helping with that. So I'm so thankful for this team. Can we just give them a hand? I'm so blessed to see how many people are on the team. The team has really grown. They now have a headquarters. Did you know that? Our our outreach team has a 750-square-foot suite on the first floor of our ministry center, When you walk straight through and turn to the right, it's the office suite on the right that Bright Hope used to occupy, and they're doing all kinds of cool stuff out of that office. There's even a consignment store there where they're giving away clothing and food and other items to those in need. So get involved, find out more. I think it's a very exciting team. Photo and video are the only reason we remember stuff happened at Harvest. It's how we know we have a history because they make sure that they document it. And I'm so grateful to those who have the gift of photography and videography and help us out with that at all of our major events. And how can we skip the praise team who every Sunday makes sure that when we sing, we sing in tune and we sing with passion. A lot of work goes into being on this team. Please grab someone from the praise team on a regular basis and let them know you're so grateful for what they do Sunday after Sunday. We're almost there. Safety and security matters a lot. I'm hearing the word safety all the time. This is a team that is charged with making sure that our life together here 
is safe and secure to the best of our ability. They handle things like response to major emergencies, like if there were a hurricane or a flood, they are taking care of physical security. They are receiving training on how to respond to things like an unlikely event, like an active shooter incident, things like that. All the stuff that we stay awake, anxious about, they work to make sure that we have a response to that. And I'm grateful for this team. This team could use your help. Do you care about this stuff? If you do, get in on the rotation. We could really use more people to help this team. And one of the things is they walk the perimeter. They're actually doing security patrols around the building because we occupy a public space on Sundays. We have lots of kids walking around. But because they do that, they don't get to worship with us on the weeks that they're serving. To give them a chance to worship, they really need a a few more people on that rotation. And so please, if you feel led, thank them this year by joining them. This is probably going to be like 60 slides here. We have so many people who keep our Seeds ministry going. Seeds is the reason so many families say they've stayed at Harvest. Because the children are growing and meeting God and are flourishing in that ministry. Sue back there, whose arm Jacob is waving, has really done a great job. She has helped out by a, a team of women who have really formed the core group of that ministry, and then an army of people who every month step up and serve. Look at all these folks. Four slides. You beat Harvest Fest. Look at that. Amazing. So many people serve in our children's ministry. Thank you for that. <clears throat> we have a team that, that coordinates all our Sunday services. You would be amazed how many moving parts there are to put a Sunday service together, and they make sure that we don't forget anything. We're so grateful for them and what they do every Sunday. We also know that without setup and signs team, this could not turn into a church every Sunday. I came this morning to help out a little early to see exactly what happens, and I was so humbled at how much activity there is at 7.50 in the morning in this place. It's unbelievable. And if we didn't have those teams, people who are visiting wouldn't know how to find things, Nothing will be set up. We're so grateful for them, and they're related. Again, I was humbled. Two people unload all the stuff. That's a 30-foot trailer, and I'm grateful that I was able to help this morning, but I just I think about how many weeks I didn't help, and two people do this work by themselves every single week. I praise God for teams like that. If you appreciate them, best way to appreciate them is to join them. This is another team that could really use more hands on deck to train together and bear that load. Thank you for the trailer team and the setup team and the signage team for turning this high school into a church week after week. This is a new group. I won't say a lot about it because you're going to hear quite a bit about them and from them in the month to come. But we're very excited about this group. And their vision is to raise the awareness and elevate the experience of women at Harvest. And I think that's a really important thing. And now they're, they're realizing, too, that in addition to women, they want to create a safe space for people just to share their burdens and their concerns without judgment. The Tove group exists apart from the authority of the elders. They don't have to share with us everything they're hearing. They are legitimately creating a safe place for people to be open and share what they're feeling and going through. If you have issues and concerns or you just need to unburden your heart, this is a group that will stand with you and offer a listening ear. 
And if they feel further action is needed, they will make sure that your issue gets forwarded to the right people who can help. Our youth group is so important for the future of our church. The youth group, along with our young adult ministry, represents one of our highest priorities as a church because we believe that the next generation is so important to God. We, I represent a generation that built this church together, but the next generation is the one who's going to take this church into the future. And we're so excited and grateful for what God has been doing at Harvest through the next generation. For the youth group leaders, also for the young adult ministry, which we'll show in a little bit, we're so thankful for you. Let's pray for them and do everything we can to support them. Yes, you can clap for that. That's, that's what we're clapping for. I think we should change the name of the web team because they're not the web team. They're the everything online team right now. They, they do so much for us. They, they handle a lot of stuff with Planning Center. Uh, there's a uh, social media component to that that June Pino is leading. And we're just so grateful for the ways that they keep our online presence healthy and relevant. Thank you for everything that you do, team. The welcome team are the first people you see when you walk in. And whether you're an old-timer or first-time visitor, doesn't it feel so good to have someone open the door to the building as you're approaching, smile at you with that little lanyard around their, their necks, and just greet you, give you a bulletin that maybe you want, maybe you don't. But uh, it's really such a nice feeling to walk into a house and be warmly greeted. Thank you, welcoming team, for the many ways that you have made people's first experience at Harvest such a positive one. How many have stayed at this church because of the way that you greeted them in their first impression? Let's thank the welcoming team. And finally, young adult ministry. I already mentioned them along with the youth group team, but this is an exciting thing. That segment of 20-somethings, even into the 30-somethings, that was a demographic that we were really starting to miss at Harvest. And God is, little by little, bringing young adults back into our church, and there is such a feeling of what we've yearned for and prayed for and envisioned for years, God is now finally doing. Thank you for those who lead. Amanda, I know what a vision this was for you, how patiently and faithfully you prayed for this, and it's all happening. God's doing it, and we praise God for that. So with all of this, let's just bow together as a church and thank God for what he's doing, and then we'll let the kids go to seeds before they mutiny. Let's pray. God, we're amazed at how long that took to get through, how many people are not just going to this church, but they're serving and saying yes to you. We are so grateful, God, for the many people who have said yes when they were afraid of their first yes, for the many people who say that costly yes week after week after week, wondering if they will ever get a break, and yet they do this for you. And we pray for everyone who has said yes, that in the, in the saying yes to you, you will say yes back to them. Meet them in their serving. Show them your worthiness. Show them how good it is to serve the Lord. What a difference it makes in the lives of others. How it brings you honor and glory. Let them feel your delight and your approval over them. And as they serve, rather than being depleted, we pray, God, that you would give life and filling to each person who rises to the call and says yes to you. 
We pray for the many who are yet to say their first yes, and yet they're feeling your tug on their heart. Give them faith and give them an opportunity, an invitation to say yes to you in the coming year. God, we know that you have such a plan for each person you have gathered here to this church, that it's not your will for anyone to just be here as an audience, but you have called each of us to build your house together. And so we pray at the end of 2023 that the whole house will be listed on one of these slides, and every member of this family will be carrying the weight of it together, that this would truly be the house that we all built together with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. With that, I'm going to ask you to just kind of um, redirect your attention up here. We're going to go right into a message, and it won't be a long one today, because afterwards we're going to have, um, excuse me, we're going to have our, uh, our annual Thanksgiving lunch, and after that, we'll also have an open gym. Before we have all that, I want to just direct your attention to the Word of God and to this idea, this concept of what it means to have a grateful heart, to give thanks. Let me ask you a question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how grateful a person would you say that you are? Maybe another way to put it is, how often do you feel or think grateful thoughts? Like, oh, wow, I'm really thankful for that. Thank you for this. How often, and how often do you find that naturally you express gratitude to other people? And you don't have to shout out a number or anything like that. And the goal is not to make you feel guilty or presume you're not. I'm just asking you to think about it for a moment because sometimes we hear sermons without really focusing on where do I stand on that spectrum? In terms of gratitude as a personal trait, where are you on that spectrum? I've been thinking about this a lot myself because recent events have brought to light that I have a lot to be thankful for, but I was passing through a period where I wasn't particularly in a grateful frame of mind, and I, I was thinking about myself, how grateful a person am I? And if you have a lot of guts and really want to know the truth, ask the people who know you best, what number would you assign to me? How grateful a person do you think I am? And if you have the courage to ask the people close to you what they think your number is. I think gratitude is a very attractive personal attribute. It's beautiful when you see people who know how to thank others, acknowledge others. Don't you love in that sports, in, in the sports world, that moment where, where a running back runs through a hole, turns around after he scores the touchdown, everyone's cheering for the running back. But the running back knows he didn't make that hole. Two 400-pound dudes made that hole. There are running backs at NFL my size. They don't make holes. They run through the ones others make, and yet they get all the glory. But once in a while, that running back will turn around and point to the offensive linemen who never get any glory. Don't you love that moment? It's a very attractive trait when you realize that someone has a grateful posture. We also know, I think we can all agree, ingratitude and entitlement are not so attractive. Can we all agree to that? Is there anyone here who's, who's maybe single and looking for the most ungrateful person to connect with? I just, I love how ungrateful you are, how entitled you are. I love it. 
No one thinks that's beautiful. We all know that's unattractive. And so I'm grateful that we have a holiday once a year that invites us to pause and think about gratitude, to grow in the attribute and the practice of being thankful and expressing gratitude because it is a very attractive quality when it's genuine, and it's also very off-putting when it's not present in a person. I think each of us would like to be considered more grateful people. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 is one of those passages in Scripture that gives a very simple, very clear and forthright directive, but it's also one that seems almost ridiculous in its black and whiteness. Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I am, of course, going to focus on that last phrase, give thanks in all circumstances. But really, this is the kind of passage that we think, all right, that makes sense, but who can live like this? In all circumstances, without ceasing, continually, always. Those are really heavy directives, and yet God, nonetheless, continues to call us to this way of living. So I want to explore gratitude a little bit. And then I want to end our, my time not so much preaching, but sharing something more personal. In general, we give thanks in response to good things. The fact that we're saying thank you at all means something good has happened in our lives. It's a response to good things that are given. It's a response to good circumstances. And we're taught even as children to acknowledge the good things given to us by saying thank you. But I think as we mature, especially as Christ followers as we mature, one of the things that begins to develop in us is we also learn not only to give thanks for good things, but for the goodness of God and the goodness that we see in life and in other people. I found that when I was a younger believer, most of my gratitude was in response to the same sort of things that even an irreligious person would be thankful for. I got into the school I wanted, thank you. The girl I I liked would say yes to a date, thank you. The test I was hoping not to fail, I got a B, thank you. Good stuff happens, I say thank you. And I realized that it doesn't take a particularly spiritual or religious mindset to be thankful in response to obviously good things. But I think one of those nuances in gratitude is a posture that looks at life in general and finds reasons to be thankful in unlikely places. You know, part of my daily devotional rhythm for the last couple of years has been in a journal to write three things every day that I'm grateful for. And because I usually do my devotions between 6 and 7 in the morning, sometime in there, not a whole lot of day has happened. So I find it a little challenging. At first, I was really excited about my journal. I was making up all kinds of great stuff. But then I found that like by 6.37 a.m., how much stuff has happened to be thankful for? So I learned a little loophole. I can say thank you for stuff that happened yesterday because I didn't get to write about it. But what I noticed happening after about six months is instead of constantly saying thank you for good stuff, I began to realize how many things I was thankful for just in general. I was really thankful 
for some of the people in my life who have been so faithful to me as a friend. I was thankful recently that of all the families I could have been born into, I was born into my family. I was really thankful for the forgetfulness of God. Now, that sounds weird, but I think God is forgetful. Not because he doesn't have a good brain like mine. I'm getting very forgetful in my older age. But God, it's not like me. I'm forgetful because I can't remember. God's forgetful because he chooses not to remember. I think about the many things I have done and thought and said and felt in my heart that brought no glory to God, that were so unfitting of a pastor. And how many times as I earnestly repented of those things, God would simply choose to be forgetful and use me anyway. And I don't understand that. People have said, oh, Pastor Dave, thank you for staying for this many years and helping with this church. I, I think about, like, how did God do anything here through someone like me? One of the things I'm beginning to become more aware of in my older age is if God did anything through my ministry here, it was in spite of me, not because of me. The forgetfulness of God is a miracle, and I don't often thank God for it, but lately I've been very, very thankful that God chooses not to remember the many ways in which I've fallen short. As we mature, it's one of the things that can and ought to happen is that our gratitude is not simply in response to good things, but to the goodness of God and to the way that God reveals his goodness to us the kindness of other people. I love 1 Chronicles 16.34. This is part of a praise song which King David wrote and gave to the praise leader Asaph and said, make sure all the people learn to sing this song. And one of the lines, my favorite line, is give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. We have a song that has that exact line, right? I love that he's saying give thanks to God because he is good. Not not because his gifts are good or the things he gives us are good, but because he is good. And get this, his love is the greatest gift. And it lasts forever. I have never met anyone else from whom I could expect forever love. There are people I wish would give me forever love, unfailing love. I wish I could give that back to them. But everyone knows we fail in that despite our best efforts. I can't tell you how many fathers I have met, myself included, who have deep, lingering doubts and regrets about the way we have fathered, wishing we'd been different, wishing we had different priorities, had started earlier, done things differently. I know there are many mothers like that. I know so many people who wish that they could have been different with their marriage. Friendships that that were lost because of neglect. We all want to love better and to be loved better by others, and yet we fail consistently despite our desire. There is one love I found in this world that is unfailing and forever. It is the love of God. And this is a trustworthy saying, the greatest joy in life doesn't come from being fortunate. It comes from being loved. That is the cry of every human heart, is not to have good things and a good life, but simply to be loved faithfully, unconditionally, securely. 
That is what we want. Fathers, no kid ever looked at you and said, give me all the good stuff. That's not what any kid wants from their dad, is good stuff. A big house to live in, lots of toys. Yes, they act like that's what they want. But that's not why they're in therapy. My friend had an Xbox Series S, and I only had the one. That is not why people end up in therapy. The cry of our heart is not for stuff. It's for love, real love. And the greatest blessing we can find is the love of God. And when we find that love, it begins to churn in us a new capacity to love other people better. Gratitude reminds us that there is good in our lives. And the greatest good we can find in our lives and be thankful for is how many times God shows up in our lives and is unimaginably good and kind to us. Let me give you one other thought about gratitude. And it is that the very nature of saying thank you, of expressing gratitude, is an acknowledgement that none of us is an independent being. There's this great American myth of the self-made person who got everywhere they got through their own hard work and sacrifice. When I was younger, that was very much the song that I sang. I really believed that I was the most capable and gifted young man on the earth, and I could do everything I set my mind to. Our parents don't help because they keep telling us, you could be anything you want. You could do anything. No, you can't. You really can't. And even if you could, you shouldn't, because the beauty of life is not making yourself. The greatest gifts in life are not the things you give to yourself. Do you notice this? We have a phrase like, thank you, or thank God, but there's no common phrase, thank me. How, can you imagine if someone's like, thank me? Hey, thank me. I, you know what, me? Thank me so much for the life that me gave me. Now, there are people who I think think like that, but it's not polite to say it out loud because it's kind of unattractive. Gratitude is an acknowledgement that I did not get everywhere by myself. Even if I closed the greatest deal of my career, I got there on a plane someone else flew, and I made it in one piece because that pilot decided to get enough sleep and not drink before he flew or before she flew. My last flight, the captain was a woman. Awesome. The company you work for is not held together by your efforts alone. It might feel like that sometimes, but so many people work hard to provide you a workplace to shine. You did not grow from childhood to adulthood by yourself. No one raises themselves. The truth of life, unmistakable, is that none of us got here on our own power. We are more dependent than we ever want to admit on the kindness and grace of other people. And so often that is the way God shows up in our lives. Even when it's other people who are blessing us. James reminds us that standing behind every gift, even that comes from human hands, is God who is ultimately the source of every single good gift in our lives. So pause this Thanksgiving and think about how grateful a person you are. And if it's something you feel you need to grow in, set your heart to grow in it. 
Gratitude is like anything else. It can be developed with practice, but it won't just naturally well up in us. Gratitude is actually counterintuitive and not natural for the human being. But it is something that God begins to cultivate in us. Let let me me, uh, turn the corner and begin closing the message this way, though. When I read a passage like 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, it appeals to the idealist and the optimist in me that maybe someone could try to live like this, but it also bothers me. Maybe it bothers you because if we're really being honest, we go through times where words like always and without ceasing and in all circumstances are actually kind of hurtful. It's not that we don't want to. It's that we go through times in our lives where we just can't. We, we try, but th- there's just something that seems to be blocking that pursuit of God in us. There are times where it's hard to see anything good in our lives. It feels like the lights have been dimmed. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where, like, This happens to me a lot when I travel to uh, developing nations. One of the things I notice most is how well lit America is. And I've sat in so many rooms overseas with people trying to have a conversation, and I'm distracted because there's one bare bulb. It's like a 20-watt bulb, and it's lighting the whole room. I'm like, do you people live like this? I can't see anything. It's that feeling in life where, like, the lights were dimmed. You can't really make things out. Or maybe you experience it this way. You go through a season where your taste for life, even the good parts, is just muted. When I go through periods like that, I can't stand the sound of Christian radio. I don't like cheerful people. I don't want you to be happy around me. I find it challenging even to be around other people. I don't normally pass through seasons like that, but I have, and I recognize that it is really, really hard in those times to think about rejoicing. It's interesting also how hard it is to want to pray when you're going through a time like that. One thing you, you, I've, you've heard me say this before. In Scripture, whenever anything is commanded this way, it's because the opposite is most likely to happen. That without this admonition, we probably wouldn't rise to, blip, to behave this way. When Paul writes this, he's not saying rejoice and pray and give thanks in the good times and the bad because no one needs to be told to rejoice and pray and be thankful in the good times. What he's really saying is rejoice, don't stop praying, and be thankful even when it's hard. Around 10 years ago, I was flying back from Arizona. I had led a a wedding out there. Now, as I was flying back, it was around 5 p.m., I think it was October, and uh, above the clouds, the sun was bright and shining, even though it was 5 o'clock. But it was weird. Here's a picture out the window. The cloud layer, I've never seen it like this. We were on our final approach to Chicago, and the cloud layer was like a thick cover. It almost looked like snow-covered ground. It was such a weird, like, disorienting feeling. I felt like I was standing outside in a big field of snow in the middle of the day, but I realized that that was clouds beneath me. I was above the sky. The cloud cover was so thick, you couldn't see any pocket of land beneath. And from up there, 
it was super bright. But within five minutes of taking this picture, and you can see the quality of cell phone cameras back in the day. Within five minutes of taking this photo, we broke through the clouds, and this is what it looked like underneath. It was like it had gone from 12 noon to 7 p.m. inside of five minutes. What I realized was above that cloud cover, the sun was bright and shining as it was all the time. But underneath those clouds, everything looked dim and depressing. There was a darkness. You feel it, right? Like that. This picture always evokes a certain recognition to me because I remember how it felt emotionally to be looking out that window thinking, how did that just happen? How did it go from being so bright and sunny to being so gloomy in such a short time? And it, it really helped me gain an insight that it wasn't gloomy out. It was still very sunny out, but between me and the sun was this massive barrier that blocked the sun. In that very moment, the sun was still shining bright. I just couldn't see it. It didn't mean the sun had blipped out of existence. That's what it felt like. That's what it looked like. But that was not the truth. It was still up there shining. I just couldn't get at it because of all the stuff that was blocking my view. When God tells us, to rejoice, and to not give up praying, to be thankful even when it's hard. He's not saying fake it and pretend that you have this upbeat response to bad things. He's saying when you cannot see the sun, with eyes of faith, lean in believing that though you cannot see or feel the sun, it is still up there. That's what he's saying to us about God, is there are times when all the difficulties, all the trials are like that cloud cover, and I don't see where God is. It's hard to feel him or hear him or see him, yet he is still God in heaven. He is still always there, always powerful. My inability to connect to him doesn't make him absent or gone or powerless. He remains who he has always been. And my prayer has to be not, God, where are you? But break through the clouds and let me see. I don't need much. I just need... Have you ever seen it in that cloudy day where one little gap and that sunlight is like a laser just coming out from the sky? It's the coolest thing. I'd love to be living in the house right underneath that ray of sun. That's the prayer we can pray. I can't see you, but I know you're there. Break through the clouds just today for a minute. Let me see, because that's all I need to keep going. You know, the pastors lately have been talking about how it's so powerful when people take the mic at our church and share their testimony. I've been deeply moved by people in our congregation who've shared their story. And sometimes the testimony, maybe not sometimes, maybe almost all the time, a person's story, a testimony, is more powerful than a sermon. It's the word of God fleshed out in a real life. I want to close this time by sharing a testimony from my own life that I haven't shared with a lot of people. Um, I shared it with some of the people closest to me at this church, but now I want to share it with all of you. Over the last two months, I have hit the lowest point in my nearly 30 years of ministry at this church. It was the most... Um, 
despairing I've felt, the most uh, disconnected. I've had hard days before, but in the last two months, I experienced something that I didn't really think I would ever feel in my life. I am an Enneagram 7, so in general, the disposition of my heart is up and to the right. I'm optimistic. I'm generally happy. And it really alarmed me, the things I was feeling. There were a few triggering events and things like that, but I think there's so much more that goes into it. I'm not sure I'll ever really know all the reasons why I hit the point that I did. But I think I'm realizing that the last two years had taken a much greater toll on me than I'd recognized. I have to confess, I was reading all of these articles that were saying 29% of pastors in America seriously thought about resigning from ministry during the pandemic. And I would read these articles and I would think, poor guys, I need to pray for them. I always thought that was something I was so far from. But I want to confess to you that in the last two months, I was shocked to discover that I was one of those. And I really, really wrestled. I I should say that what I went through in the last two months has given me such uh, understanding and tenderness toward people who are going through emotional unwellness. I really didn't think that I could go through something like that, but I was having a really hard time finding motivation for ministry. I woke up in the morning feeling no appetite to live my life. I was becoming very bitter, impatient, insensitive. There was a darkness rising up in me. Um, One of the ways it was showing up was this desperate desire to run away. I'm someone who has said for years and years, I want to die of old age among the people of Harvest. I want this to be the only church I ever have. And I was alarmed to find myself saying, do I want to live somewhere warmer? I think it shocked Jeannie because she has heard me say nearly every day of our marriage, I want to die of old age, be buried with these people. This is the only place I ever want to be. And so I knew something was wrong because that's still my heart and I don't want to run away. But I was feeling that. I hit it pretty well. And I thought at first that I was putting on a brave face. But I realized in my devotional time that I was putting on a dishonest face. I don't think it was right for me to act like I was still soldiering on because in my heart, I did not feel that at all. And so I began to share... I took a risk, and I shared with my family, and then I shared with our staff and our elders and deacons. I I just shared with our leaders. And I was expecting, I don't know what I was expecting, but I think I was kind of expecting shock, discouragement, rebuke. And instead, what I received was an incredible outpouring of love and grace, of real support. And then I realized that it was not enough to pour my heart out to people. But I began to start sharing really earnestly with God 
because I felt like I was starting to lose my grip on my calling and my zeal to serve him. And I couldn't fix that by myself. I was trying. I couldn't do it. And so I just started crying out to God in the mornings. And I had one prayer, God, restore the call you have on my life. I want to tell you that God is unbelievably kind. I began that prayer, and starting the next day, I've never experienced anything like this. Someone at our staff meeting said to me, Dave, it sounds like what you need is a win, just one win, something to lift your spirits. And I prayed it the next day, began an avalanche. You know, we talk about the church around the stage, this Sunday event, where we are the church like this. But there's also this idea of the church around the table, gathering in homes and in coffee shops, in small settings, just being the church to each other. And I experienced so much of that in the last couple weeks. Jeannie can testify. It's been an embarrassment of riches. Unbidden, I haven't shared with that many people, but out of the blue... I started getting cards and letters and emails. People would take me out for a meal, and here's what was so encouraging to me. Yes, it's true. I needed to hear that I was making at least some small difference in someone's life because I was really starting to believe that I was making no difference to anyone. And so I needed to hear some of that. That's being totally honest. And people gave that to me as such a generous gift. But I think what I needed more than that was to see other people desperately fighting for their faith when it wasn't easy. Just saying yes to God again and again against the grain. I needed to see people have positive feelings about this church we've labored to build for three decades. To just say, I'm so thankful for this place. And that's what started to happen more and more is how many people began to share with me stories of how against every possible barrier, they were pursuing God with their whole heart, and God was meeting them. One after another, story of faithfulness and fighting. I heard people talk about what this church has meant to them. I don't know if someone was running around behind my back sharing, like, go tell this stuff to Pastor Day. It felt like that, but I really believe with all my heart that I cried out to God, and God moved. And I can tell you with an honest heart that in the span of two weeks, I went from the lowest place I have ever been as a pastor to a place of real restoration. I can say to you with an honest heart, my zeal and my joy for my calling are so restored. I told our staff again at the last meeting, I still want to die of old age. I want you guys to bury me under the tree in front of the building. Let me nourish that tree. I'm so thankful to God for the way he met me in my distress. And I am so thankful to so many of you who have in very surprising ways restored my faith and my calling. A wise old pastor told me 
that a pastor may raise a church, but a church also raises a pastor. And I want to thank you for being a faithful church. If I don't screw up, if you don't get sick of me, I still hope I can grow old here, that I could finish my pastoral ministry at this church. I really feel that God has given me a renewal that I couldn't have manufactured. And so this Thanksgiving, I'm not just saying thank you kind of as a a casual gesture. I think my whole heart is really leaning in this posture of gratitude. And man, I'm still getting so many wonderful gestures and reminders that God is still very much alive. He's working. Just the other day, we realized that the young adults and college group are having a retreat next summer, and we wanted a really good speaker to come. And There was one guy we all thought, no way could we get him. I just reached out. I was listening to the dude's podcast when he called me back. What a weird moment is that? <laughs> Listen to his voice on the podcast when he calls, and he's like, I'd love to come. Like, really? It was just like a little thing, such a little thing. But it reminded me that God is constantly showing up. And he shows up most when we need him, if we will cry out to him. I really didn't, I'm not, um, I don't know why I was hiding so much of what I was going through with so many people but I just felt like I needed to share it with my whole church family. And I want to say to those of you who I first shared with how kind you were to me, how generous you were in your spirit, I think you really saved my ministry calling, and uh, God used you. And I think it's such a privilege for me to get to be your pastor. I don't want this pulpit to become my personal platform, but I just really felt like I needed to share that story. And at your tables, before we close our service, I want to ask you for a moment to pause right now because maybe you're going through a very similar season, and right now your life is beneath the clouds, and it's hard to see the sun. Nevertheless, I ask you, look for God even still. He's punching holes in the clouds. If you look, you'll find a ray of sun, something to say, God, in spite of everything, thank you at least for this. And would you pause a moment, and at your tables, you'll find these wooden leaves. And there's some Sharpies on the table. You'll have to share them because, again, we're trying to tighten our belts. But write down a phrase, a sentence, just one word on that leaf for which you are grateful. If you've run out of leaves or markers, there are empty tables like Bob's doing. That's a great idea. Just run around, grab the stuff you need. And we don't have a whole lot of leaves, so if you make a mistake, just cross it out. It's okay. Keep going on the other side of your leaf. What we're going to do afterwards is there are are these little hooks. You can hook it around that little hole in your leaf and hang it on one of these trees. What we'd ask you to do is the adults were going to ask to hang all their leaves on this taller tree. The kids are doing the same thing in seeds. They're going to hang all theirs in the lower tree. 
And then we're going to display them in our ministry center for the next several months as a reminder that there are so many reasons to give thanks to God in the lives of our church members. We invite you to read some of those leaves, be encouraged. So just be mindful that others might read them. You might not want to put specific names, but still in the, in the most clear terms possible, write down what you're thankful for. And if time allows and you feel ready to share it, just share it with someone at your table what you're writing down on your leaf. It's not mandatory, but if you feel you want to share, we'll play some music, and then in about eight minutes, we're going to get back together. So as you write your, your leaf, if you feel ready to, you can hang it up there, or you could just wait until right before we dismiss, and then do it before you eat. But go ahead and begin writing. Can we do that as our response to God? If you're still working on your leaf, um, and you'd like to hang it, feel free to hang on to that until um, just before we eat or after we dismiss and you'll have a chance to still do that. Um, and some of the youth, if you'd like to move your leaves over to the adultery, we might need a little space for the kids because we've got a bunch of kids who are going to hang their leaves there too. Can we bow to pray together? God, you are a God who breaks through clouds. You never stop being there. You never stop shining. And when we can't see you and we cry out to you, you break through. Thank you for every leaf that was written. For what those words represent. A few words on a leaf don't seem to do justice to how profoundly you have touched our lives through the things we've written. Thank you for being the God who restores, who rescues, who forgets. Thank you for being the God of second chances for the many of us who desperately need that. God, thank you that failure doesn't ever have to be the end of our story. Thank you for one another. Imperfect as we are, yet we are a family to each other. And God, our lives would be so different without the brothers and sisters in this church. So we thank you for Harvest. And above every other thing, we thank you for the everlasting hope with which we can face every day because Jesus lived and died and rose again. Because he loved us and loves us still. We thank you for so many things. As we close out this service in song, Fill this house with joy and gratitude for your namesake. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.